Today's episode is brought to you by the Tax Defense Group. The team of professionals at the Tax Defense Group are passionate about helping taxpayers resolve their tax debt. Their services include basic tax preparation, tax audits, resolving large tax debt, and more. They actively represent taxpayers throughout the entire USA. If you need help resolving your tax issues, contact the Tax Defense Group. Call the Tax Defense Group today at 800-850-7973 to get started. That number again is 800-850-7973, and you can visit them online at thetaxdefensegroup.com. Are you thinking about starting a business or a side hustle? For all businesses to be successful, you need a website. Rider Junkie offers website development, content writing, and SEO services for business websites. Call Rider Junkie today at 805-587-7966, and you can visit them online at riderjunkie.com. We recently launched our website, ucaststudios.com. With articles about sports, special interest topics, and more, we have some cool stuff on our site. To read our content, please visit ucaststudios.com. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Lakers Outsiders podcast brought to you by UCAS Studios. I'm your host, Gary Kester, back with you. Can't say as always because I missed the last couple or whatever, but uh, I am back. This is my first pod of the Lakers and Rockets series. I'm joined again by Hani Amadian today. Hani, I hope you bring that playoff Rondo-like performance on this podcast today because if you do, it's going to be a great pod. Listen, I, I know I was awful the entire regular season, but I'm really feeling it these last couple of pods. And uh, I think I'm going to bring a lot of energy and, and uh, you know, set you up for some easy, easy buckets. And you're going to be a sharpshooter all of a sudden and shoot 60 percent from the three point line. So I'm going to hit a fadeaway buzzer beater. <laughs> Yeah, today we're going to be talking about Game 3 of the Lakers and Rockets series. The Lakers bounce back again with their second straight win to take a 2-1 series lead by beating the Rockets 112-102. to Frustrating game in the first half, beautiful game in the second half, uh, especially the fourth quarter, but uh, just the second half in general. And if you didn't watch it and you're listening to this podcast, I mean, we're going to spoil it, but go watch the game. But Rondo, man... We got to see playoff Rondo in full force tonight, and it was beautiful to watch. David Chia is probably blackout drunk right now in <laughs> celebration. And, hey, good on you, man. You've been fighting the good fight. Well, the the fight. I won't even call it a good fight all year. But uh, it's starting to pay off. It's starting to pay off. So, so far, so good. But uh, before we dive into this game, guys, as always, be sure to uh, follow us on our social medias you can follow us on twitter and instagram at lakers outsiders you can like us on facebook and get all of our content on lakersoutsiders.com and you can follow honey on twitter at h-o-n-i-a-h-m he's also one loss away from disbanding raptors outsiders so <laughs> keep an eye out on that and you can follow me on twitter at gary kester as well so uh yeah and, and of course the pod subscribe to us on youtube and wherever you get your podcasts apple podcasts uh spotify podbean wherever uh, we're there. We're there. And we're here to talk about game three. Hani, just describe the playoff Rondo experience, because this is the first time we've been on the right side of it. Uh, these last two games, I'll give him credit for the last game as well. As, as brutal as the first game was, which I'll give him a pass because 
obviously it was extremely frustrating because I felt like he was kind of the worst part in that loss and was a big reason why the Lakers lost. These last two games, though, it's just been unreal, the turnaround that he's had. And, and uh, again, I'll give him a, a pass for that first game because it was the first game back in a long time for him. Uh, but these last two games, I mean, just kind of what are your thoughts on, on what we've seen from him? It's amazing. I could have never seen this coming. The The thing with Rondo was always I, I wouldn't be completely shocked if, you know, he had one great game in the playoffs and maybe even one of a quarter, one of a game. Um, just based on prior history, I never expected to see two straight games where he really just bossed the game every time he was on the floor. He is, uh, <laughs> Frank Vogel responded to Rondo playing a pretty awful game one by increasing his minutes and, uh, <laughs> it completely paid off and he increased them again in between game two and three and it paid off again. He is just playing so confident on both ends of the floor, um, to the, to the point where even the fact that, you know, the Rockets don't really want to guard him from the three-point line doesn't really matter because he's doing so much everywhere else. Um, he's creating offense. He's he's running uh, plays. His chemistry with Anthony Davis has been amazing, as as we kind of actually did expect uh, from that perspective. And honestly, defensively, man, like I would have never expected this defense from Rondo at this point in his career. He has been a traffic cone since he joined the Lakers. But these last two games, he's been giving James Harden problems. He's been giving Russell Westbrook problems. It's I never would have expected to see Rondo guarding James Harden 94 feet uh, from from the basket and like giving him trouble uh, uh, dribbling up the court. It's, it's just, man, if, if Rondo is giving you these type of performances, the ceiling is just so, so high because now you don't have basically any liabilities on the floor at any time. Every single person on the Lakers can give you something uh, in the box score and in the game at any point. Yeah, and that, that play in particular where he picked Harden's pocket and it led to a Rondo uh, run-out layup uh, was just like, wow, we haven't seen that from from him maybe in his time as a Laker. Like, at least it's been a long time. Uh, yeah, I mean, just both ends of the floor, you just saw the intensity – it was just different. It was different than what we saw in the regular season. Like you said, he was a traffic cone on defense and there's just too many straight line drives that he would give up or he would just not pay attention on the weak side defensively. And he'd either leave a guy wide open or a guy would cut right behind him and get a layup. Uh, just way too much of that. This game, it was just totally different, man. I, I'm actually like, I want to dive into the, that fourth quarter film, especially, but the film in the second half, I mean, we've been saying this like all year long, right? That the Lakers, if they just get that third guy, Mm-hmm. doesn't matter who it is. If they just get that third guy with AD and LeBron, they're going to be incredibly tough to beat. Tonight, as always, you get 36 out of LeBron, who was unreal in the first half. We'll talk about Amazing. that in a, in a little bit. But 36 from him, 26 from AD, uh, 9 of 13 shooting, which is pretty remarkable. Um, but then you're, you know, you know, you're wondering, who's going to be that third guy? Is it going to be KCP? KCP has six points tonight, kind of struggled offensively. It did hit a couple of threes, which helps. Uh, Danny Green, one of five, zero of three from th- the three-point line, only two points. Uh, Kuzma, I thought, actually had a very underrated, uh, yeah, kind of a really good game that flew under the radar. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had four- fourteen points on seven of ten shooting, and just was kind of in the right place at the right time a lot of times. Uh, but Rondo, man, eight of eleven from the field, played thirty minutes. So if you coming into this game, if you told me Rondo's going to play thirty minutes, <laughs> I'm like, oh shit, buckle up. Uh, excuse my language, but it's uh, warranted. <laughs> <laughs> but 
30 minutes, 8 of 11 from the field, 3 of 5 from the three-point line. Uh, made both free throws because uh, I was like, why is he not getting rid of the ball? We do oh not want him God. shooting free throws. I, I, almost, I was so mad. I'm like, you had this great game, and if you screw it up because of that. <laughs> that's I, I think that's a testament to his confidence level right now, though. Like He was like, sure, come foul me, and I'll come knock down these free throws, and he did. Uh, just It's just crazy. I mean, 21 points, 9 assists. If the Lakers get 21 and 9 out of Rondo in any game, they're going to win. Like, yeah. I will go out on a limb and say they will not lose if they get 21, basically almost a 20-point double-double from from Rondo. Like, it's just not going to happen. And, I mean, him and Kuzma, like, really are the only two guys. I thought some guys did some other things that didn't really show up in the box score. I thought Caruso had some really good plays, and I thought played good defense, as he always does. I thought Markeith Morris as well, uh, even though he didn't shoot the ball well, I thought did some really good things with their backline defense, and, and I just thought defensively he was really good. Um, you know, created, created some second chance opportunities as well. Uh, he had that, the one offensive rebound I remember that was, was, was pretty important, but, um, yeah, I mean, just looking, kind of looking at this box score, man, you look at it and it doesn't look all that impressive outside of the three guys, uh, this team, man, defensively in the second half, just night and day from the first half, right? The first half we saw so many straight line drives with nobody coming over. There was one play that Anthony Davis had like his back to the basketball and usually that's your guy you want protecting the basket. And he had no idea there was even a line drive to go into the basket. Uh, and the, I think LeBron really set the tone defensively in the second half, especially that third quarter. I think he had all four blocks in the third quarter. Yep. Uh, and one was protecting the – I mean, all th- three of them, I think, maybe it was all four. I can't remember off the top of my head which one was the fourth one. But uh, the one that he had on Harden, I think, was, mm-hmm. a, big, was a big tone setter. Uh, what did you see from the Lakers defensively in the second half that kind of turned this thing around? Honestly, a lot of it was effort and a lot of it was just uh, limiting small mistakes. You're right about LeBron also setting the tone. And it's kind of incredible to see like the, the way his mind works. That he comes out in the first half and he's just knocking down every single shot um, and, and playing incredible offense and exerting all his energy offensively. And then he, you know, goes into the locker room at halftime, sees that the Rockets are getting way too many easy points. And he comes out in the second half. He's like, I'm not even going to really shoot. I'm just going to play defense. I'm going to put all my effort and all my energy into that. Um, His rim protection was incredible, especially on that hardened play. Like you said, his effort to get back. um, I thought at the very end of the third quarter, uh, he he pins, I believe, uh, Robert Covington, I want to say. Or actually, no, he pinned uh, Westbrook, I think. uh, I think it was Rivers. Oh, Rivers. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He pins him on pins him on the backboard and basically prevents two easy points at the end of the quarter. And I believe they went into the fourth tide. Um, th- that kind of energy is so contagious, and you saw it kind of split with the rest of the Lakers as well. Another adjustment I thought they made that was really important, um, and one that is a little bit controversial, I think, among Lakers fans. They uh, benched Javel McGee to start the second half, put Markeith Morris in, and went small. Uh, I think JaVale had his worst game of the series uh, in the first half, so I think that made that decision a little bit easier for Vogel. Um, but also the fact that they were then able to have five guys who could scramble a lot better than they would be able to with uh, uh, with McGee out there. I think that really helped a lot. And so that energy kind of just permeated through the entire team. They were closing out a lot better. Um this was kind of like the first game in that they limited the Rockets' three-point shooting in terms of attempts. Uh, the Rockets did shoot 40% again, 
uh, like they did in game two, but they only took 30, which is the fewest they've shot this entire playoffs. And I think uh, one of the fewest they've shot all year. Um, and PJ Tucker in particular, we were talking about this right before we got on. He only took two three pointers after I believe he took seven in each of the first two games, all in the uh, uh, all in the corners. That seemed like a, a big talking point for the Lakers and a very important one. They really limited his production, um, and that kind of permeated throughout the whole um, the whole defense in the second half, especially. Yeah, I mean, they really kind of turned the Rockets mostly into a two-man show, um, and one of those guys was Westbrook, and I thought, you know, I I was pleased that they stayed the course with Westbrook, even though he was hitting some jumpers in the first half. They said, you know, we're going to live with the percentages, and they allowed him to keep shooting, and I thought he missed some timely ones in this game. Even though he shot 13 of 24 and 2 of 4 from the three-point line, he had 30 points, eight boards, six assists, a couple of steals. Like, his counting stats looked good, but, man, it just – the impact didn't look the same. Uh, mm-hmm. on the game I, I thought his his counting stats looked a lot better than he actually played uh, I thought Harden was still pretty good uh, 33 points nine assists nine rebounds um, but the the rotations in the second half especially the fourth quarter man the Lakers were staying at home on shooters and they were also you know helping uh, when guys got beat off the dribble uh, they were kind of showing and recovering and you just saw the whole the whole unit just kind of rotate together right it was like Okay, this guy's helping him. I got to help his guy. And then it was just kind of a chain reaction uh, going all the way around, uh, you know, the whole defense. And it was just beautiful to watch their execution defensively in the second half, but especially the fourth quarter uh, was just beautiful, man. It was just night and day from the first half where there was just so many breakdowns. It was really frustrating. But man, once they locked in, uh, it was beautiful. 51 to 38 in the second half, 38 points in the second half for the Rockets. I mean, 18 in the third, 20 in the fourth. That's pretty damn impressive considering the firepower that is on this team and their ability to hit threes. And, I mean, you mentioned P.J. Tucker. I felt like he was a non-factor in this game. Like, we we mentioned that before we went on. uh, We started recording. But, yeah, there were times – I mean, he played 38 minutes, and there were a lot of times I didn't even notice he was out there, um, which is pretty pretty remarkable. But kind of another thing with this game, too, that I noticed is kind of the rotation. The Lakers obviously had – Lakers played 10 guys tonight. The Rockets played eight. Um, but the thing is, six of those eight guys played 35 minutes or more. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had McLemore play 10 minutes, Rivers play 11. The Lakers had JaVale play seven minutes, which I'll come to defense of your boy. He was still a plus one in those seven minutes. Absolutely. <laughs> There's a lot of zeros in his box score, but he was still plus one. So That's, that's the one that matters the most. <laughs> Winner's mentality. <laughs> So they had JaVale play seven minutes, and J.R. Smith somehow inexplicably got three minutes. But he was even. even every <laughs> Laker was either uh, like even or positive in this game, which is kind of crazy to to think about in just a 10-point game. But, um, but yeah, the rotation is a little deeper for the Lakers with uh, given the Rockets. Uh, or they were without house in this game uh, due to personal reasons. Uh, I've... <laughs> I've heard a rumor of why he was not playing, but uh, I'm going to keep that one off air. <laughs> I'll share that with Hani after this is done. Cause I don't know if it's true or not, but uh, just what I've heard uh, it's, it's classic rockets. Let me just put it that way. And it's something that Harden would not have an issue with, but uh, fighting Scott Foster. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean like the, the fact that the, the Lakers, because like, obviously in the last game, I was I was really encouraged because the Rockets just lit it up from the three point line. Like we were kind of when we did our preview, I think we talked about 
you can kind of count on at least one or two games where the Rockets are going to go bonkers from three. I thought that was kind of one of them. And especially in the third quarter, they started, I think, six of six from the three-point line and ended up nine of 13, but one of those was a half-court heave. So it was basically nine of 12 from the three-point line, which really kind of got them back in the game from a big deficit. And the Lakers weathered that storm, and they took over in the fourth quarter and shut them down. Um, And so that was encouraging to me that it was like, all right, we had the feel-out game. And the Lakers in the last game got kind of got that monkey off their back because they hadn't beat this team. They hadn't beaten this team with the this new style that they play, right, with the yeah. whole small ball. So I think finally getting that win and kind of getting over that hump against these guys finally uh, might have done some things for this team mentally. Um, but shutting these guys down and making them a two-man team and Westbrook being one of those guys taking jumpers, I mean, that's what you're going to live for. And I think, honestly, if the Lakers hold the Rockets to 102 points, they're, they're going to beat the Rockets because – as we've seen, they've got nobody to guard LeBron. P.J. Tucker can make certain things difficult for Anthony Davis just because he's built like a freaking bowling ball. Yeah. But uh, Anthony Davis was still 9 of 13 from the field in this game, got to the free throw line 11 times, 26 points, 15 boards, 6 assists. Uh, and I don't even think he played particularly well. Like, that's yeah. the crazy thing. I think defensively uh, he had moments, but it wasn't his usual standard. So, uh LeBron, man. I want to talk more about LeBron because in that first half, I mean, the Lakers just seemed kind of flat. You know, I kept saying, like, I was like, you know, they're, they're tied, but it feels like they should be down 10 because really LeBron's the only guy doing anything. Uh, he ends up with 36 points. I think he had, what, 29 at the half? Yeah. Uh, he was high 20s at, at the half. And, and like you said, honey, kind of focused more so on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, finished with 36 points, seven boards, five assists, 13 of 23 shooting. Four of nine from the three-point line, which is always huge for LeBron. Uh, is it just me, or did that first half kind of remind you almost of, uh, was it the 2017 or 2018 Cavs, where he's just dragging them through the yeah. Eastern Conference and, and getting them into the NBA Finals? Yeah, it felt like uh, that, that game one where he scored 50 points against the Warriors, um, and then they lost on, on the <laughs> JR stuff. Um, it did legitimately feel that way. It just seemed like... First of all, he was getting to the rim at will. Nobody could stop him um, in his strength when he gets into the paint. You know, the Rockets just, unless they're fouling him or mauling him and not having fouls called, um, there's there's really no stopping LeBron. And, you know, we, we can clamor for free throws all we want. He did get to the line quite a bit as well, especially in that first half. He should have um, shot 50 free throws. <laughs> um, but, but, yeah, he was just, you know, cooking guys. And once he gets to the paint... Um, then that opens up the rest of the floor for him as well. And he was shooting it really well from three. He had a freaking crossover step back into the corner three-pointer. That's something I like rarely see LeBron do. Like his step backs never look that clean. Uh, <laughs> he's always like staring at the ball and then sliding over and shooting it. That was one of the most pure uh, shooter shots I've ever seen LeBron take. It was beautiful. Um, there's... I mean, I don't really even know what else to say about him. That dude, it's he's 35 years old and he's still doing this crap. It's it's amazing. It it really is amazing to see him continue to play at this this high level, and just continue to get it done. I mean, 38 minutes, 39 minutes. Uh, take notes, Budenholzer. <laughs> but uh, it's it's just crazy, man. Like he single-handedly kept them afloat in that first half, and that's why I was kind of encouraged because I was like, the Lakers played awful defense. And they had one guy show up on offense and uh, they were right there going into half. I think they were down three going into halftime. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like we said, in this, the second half, 
as good as he was offensively in the first half, I think he was just as good defensively in the second half. He really set the tone, man. The the block shots in the in the third quarter uh, saved a number of of layups. Number one, I mean, yeah. I had th- could think of three off the top of my head. He finished with four. I, like I said, I still can't remember f- for whatever reason what that fourth block was, but three of them were right at the rim and saved six points off the board, which is a big deal. It's a huge deal in a game like this, and uh, really set the tone. And it just seemed to kind of be the spark that the team really needed defensively to get going. And uh, you you saw it, I mean, pay dividends in the, in the stat sheet, 38 points in the second half. I mean, that's, that's getting it done. That's getting it yeah. done, especially this far, you know, second round of the playoffs against a very highly uh, efficient offensive team that can put up a lot of points and do it very quickly. Uh, that's huge. That's huge. LeBron. I mean, we, as much as we talked earlier about playoff Rondo, Playoff LeBron is just a beautiful thing to watch because he's still, to me, playoff LeBron is still the most dominant player in the NBA. And I'm not sure it's really close. I mean, uh, yeah. if Durant comes back healthy, Durant at his peak is really good. Steph, obviously really good. Like there's good, really, really good players. Playoff LeBron impacts a game more than just about anybody I've ever seen. So yeah, uh, yeah pretty crazy stuff. Uh, looking ahead to game four here. Do you think the Rockets, given with how Rondo's played these last two games, adjust their kind of game plan a little bit defensively? Because we, I mean, they were kind of forced to in the the last series with uh, Lou Dort. They were basically just letting him shoot as much as they want. They weren't even guarding him. And then in that game seven, he starts hitting all these threes. It's like, oh, you know, we got to guard that guy. Do you think we see some of that effect with Rondo a little bit? Or do you think they just say, no, we're going to keep living with that. If he beats us, he beats us. I, I think... If I were, I guess if I were them, I would still play off of Rondo and let him take those jumpers and, and try to force him to be a 20-point scorer. Because, I mean, realistically, this isn't something that he's been doing all year. So playing the percentages, you would expect him not to. Now, obviously, Rondo's also just playing really incredible ball right now. He's playing a lot smarter, uh, especially after that first game. Um, he's kind of picking his spots when he takes those jumpers. I thought something he did in game two a lot more than he did in game three was, um, you know, if you're going to literally be standing in the paint when I have the ball, I'm going to take a step in and jump uh, and take a jumper from the free throw line. And I'm a lot more comfortable doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there are ways that the Lakers can get around that. And I think they can also use him as a screener, um, use his passing that way. Uh, if, he, if he's the guy kind of popping off of a screen with, with LeBron when he is playing those minutes. It, it makes it a lot harder to play off of them, but I think that is what the Rockets will ultimately try to do because they're like they they need to be able to crowd the paint against LeBron and AD, or else those guys are going off for forty points. Jeff Green has a tent set up under the, the basket <laughs> on defense. The number of times I counted that guy just standing under the basket guarding absolutely nobody was infuriating because it was never called once. Uh, so Scott Foster, I'm sure you're going to get one more game in this series. Uh, if you're listening, uh, call that, but, <laughs> but no, Chris I mean, Paul is making calls right now, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, I think I would probably play the percentages at least for another game, which is kind of crazy to, to say, because the next game is probably a must win for the Rockets. Like if they go down three, one, I, it's really hard for me to envision them, uh, winning this mm-hmm. series. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of like, it's similar to the Russell Westbrook thing, right? Like where the Lakers are saying, we'll live with this guy hitting jumpers. If he does, he does. Oh, well. What the Lakers did a better job of in the second half with Russ was 
limiting his drives because they were giving up way too many layups um, and letting him get in the paint and finish inside the paint, which I thought was a good adjustment by the Rockets if they were saying, hey, let's quit settling for jumpers and let's get you going towards the basket. And the Lakers, or in the second half, the Lakers really kind of flipped a switch on that and forced Russ to, to become a jump shooter once again, and it paid off. Uh, pretty well. It was kind of like the last series where it was like there were stretches where Carmelo was kind of going nuts from mid range yeah. and hitting these long contested twos. And it's like, you know, I don't care that he scored eight straight points. You keep living with it. Like exactly. you would trust that it's going to even out. And most times it did. Um, so I, if I'm the Rockets, I still keep, you know, I keep a close eye on it because if he starts doing the same thing in the next game, it's like, all right, we got to switch this up. And if they do that, it's, it's only going to be more space for LeBron. Mm -hmm. Um, But I thought the Lakers did a nice job too. Uh, I think kind of part of the, I don't know if it was really an adjustment or just better execution. I I like that. They just kind of mixed it up more, especially in the second half, instead of just having with Rondo and LeBron out there. um, Obviously with Rondo, the spacing is going to be a little limited for LeBron to drive. I thought they did a nice, better job of mixing it up and having Rondo with the ball and LeBron playing off the ball um, Mm -hmm. so that the Rockets couldn't just stand in the paint. um, And they actually had to guard all the shooters because especially LeBron was four of nine from the three point line. He was very efficient from there. So uh, you can't just like sag off LeBron and basically flip it. You know, you got to guard all those guys. So uh, I thought the Lakers did a good job of just kind of mixing it up a little bit more. Um, They also had a a couple of possessions with those lineups where they had, uh, Caruso standing in the dunker spot, basically like he was JaVale. Um, and, you know, the, the Rockets don't have rim protection. So if, you know, you utilize Caruso's cutting from that close to the basket and LeBron's passing it to him, he's going to be able to score a couple of layups that way too. Yeah, no, they, they there was like little tweaks here and there um, that I, I was very happy to see. That was that was definitely one of them. And it was kind of like, oh, wow, like <laughs> Caruso's in the dunker spot. Cool. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it's, I, I was I was just impressed with this with this team in the second half. I thought it was just a very uh, inspiring performance in the second half in a game that I wasn't going to call it a must win, but it was a very important game to win because you don't want to be down two one. Now the Rockets have to beat the Lakers three out of four games, and the Lakers just have to basically go two and two the rest of the way uh, mm-hmm. in this series to advance, which is which is huge because. I'm kind of wondering this with with this Houston team because they rely so heavily on the three point shot. Now that they're down in a series, especially if the Lakers can get one more and push them to the brink of elimination, am I crazy for thinking that some of these sh- these three-point shots might start to not drop, you know, as they get a little bit tighter because there's more pressure? I mean, they didn't hit a high volume today, which is huge. I mean, the Lakers were 10 of 30. The Rockets were 12 of 30. I think the Lakers yeah. would take that trade off every single time. Uh, still 40% for the Rockets. Um, but I almost feel like they're kind of due for a game where they shoot very poorly from the three-point line as well. Yeah. Um, first of all, I want to point out this was the second game this entire season that the Rockets lost while shooting 40% from three. The first game was in game two. Um, <laughs> and and yeah, ultimately, like we have kind of seen uh, those sort of instances with the Rockets over the last few years. So obviously, this is a different team uh, and a different play style in, in, in some aspects, but they've always been a high volume three point shooting team, even before they went completely small ball and they've had those games where they miss a ton of threes in a row because of the pressure it's when you it feels like when when they're uh when they feel it's necessary to hit threes when they're playing from behind or um 
they're they're playing with their backs behind the walls. That pressure does get to people, and it's kind of forcing up shots they they shouldn't be taking. They're getting to the rim pretty easily in some of these games, or at least for quarters at a time. And they will still resort to settling for three-point shooters. And they're not a great three-point shooting team. Like, we keep kind of hammering at this point. They don't have a ton of great shooters. It's basically P.J. Tucker and Eric Gordon as their best volume three-point shooters. After that, it really drops off. Harden's step back is deadly, but he's not a great percentage shooter. Westbrook is is probably the worst volume three-point shooter in the league. Um, And guys like Covington and, and Jeff Green, they can have good games. Um, Jeff Green shot like 7 of 11 from the field today, but they're not going to do that every single night. And I, I think the Lakers, if they come out, you know, with that high energy, put the foot on the gas and, and really force the Rockets to play from behind, I think they can really force them into those problems. And it's not even just the three-point shooting. Man, I, I love playing from ahead against a team that has Russell Westbrook on it. Like, <laughs> especially... I. I, I kind of joked about this uh while i was tweeting the game from the account today but i was also a little bit serious westbrook hitting early jumpers is like a great thing for the lakers because that turns them into this aggressive i'm gonna shoot every time on the floor and i will 100 take westbrook being the primary offensive playmaker for the rockets over james harden that is give me that every single game when he was hitting those earlier i was almost like clapping like yeah yeah get that confidence up let's go uh yeah i mean that's like i said with the lakers i mean i think that they'll they'll live with that every time if if russ is taking those shots especially when they're long pull-up twos you live with that even if they're going in you tip your cap but like that's the shots that you want these guys to take because he's about the only player on this team that's going to take mid-range jumpers Mm -hmm. (laughs) like seeing eric gordon whenever he dribbles the ball inside the three-point line if he's not getting a layup he's going to pass it because yeah. there, there have been a number of times where he has an opportunity to pull up from 15 to 18 feet. But you see him like it's like 12 different thoughts are running through his mind at that point. Like, oh, God, if I take the shot, am I going to get benched for taking a mid-range jumper? Uh, <laughs> is Maury going to trade me before the game is over? <laughs> <laughs> like these guys have almost just been brainwashed into thinking that like wide open 15 to 18 footers are terrible shots. And you should just never take them under any circumstances. Now, it makes me wonder if there was one second on the clock if they tried to throw it out for a three-point line. Like, it's just crazy that they just, I don't know, It's it almost feels like calculator basketball. Like, it doesn't feel like real basketball, whereas, yeah. like, I mean, KCP missed, but, like, he had a wide-open 15-footer at one point in the game, and he shot it. Like, yeah. it's a good shot. Like, I know, like, the, the numbers say threes or layups. Like, those are the two most efficient things. But, like, uh, dude – playoff basketball you got to take wide you got to take wide open shots when they're presented and the big difference in this game obviously the rockets i thought it was more of a by committee approach in game two i mean harden still had his 27 but eric gordon was eight of 16 he had six threes covington hit four threes pj tucker hit four threes uh house hit three threes like they were just hitting from everywhere and it was just coming from every direction from the three-point line in this game it was just so different because gordon was two of nine from the field two of six from the three-point line uh covington only hit two threes tucker only hit one three uh westbrook hit two threes i mean you live with with that all day jeff green only hit one three like the fact that the rockets only hit 12 threes as a team after coming off a game where they hit 22 yeah. uh 
that's I mean that's really nice to see. And I don't know if it, the the first half was like by design where it's like, you know, we're we're okay with giving these guys drives to the basket because we just don't want them to hit threes. Uh, I don't know if those. I, I guarantee. You know, maybe the strategy was by design, but the execution certainly wasn't because right. you're you're never gonna give want to give up uncontested layups like the Lakers were doing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's it's I'm curious to see what happens. Like I said, I think I I hope I'm right about it, but like I just feel like the Rockets are due for like a really cold three point shooting game. Maybe not one where they miss 27 of threes in a row, but something where it's just like they shoot under 30%, like a 28% from the three-point line kind of game. And I think if they get a game like that, I think the Lakers win it fairly comfortably. Yeah. Um, one other thing I, I really enjoyed from the Lakers, and this was, uh, you know, the Lakers' defense in the first half obviously was not great, but one thing I did really like and one thing that makes me really confident moving forward that they're going to be able to limit those role-player types from from really killing them, their defense on Eric Gordon was really interesting. They had a stretch where they were basically playing a box and one. They had Kuzma face guarding Gordon so he couldn't get any shots up and playing a zone against the rest of the Rockets uh, when Harden was sitting. So, you know, you're daring the other guys to shoot when they're not great shooters, and you're really limiting Eric Gordon's shot attempts. Eric Gordon shooting only nine times in a game is really good for the Lakers. He's a guy that can go off. He's, to me, probably the second most reliable player on the Rockets. I would say he's more reliable than Westbrook. Um, he might not have as high of a ceiling, but he's a guy that can go off as well. And he's been the, you know, their best playmaker after Harden uh, this entire playoffs. So really limiting his touches and, and not letting him get into a rhythm early on, I think paid off big time in the second half where he wasn't able to kind of go off against them and kind of uh, stop the run that the Lakers went on. How much do you think fatigue might play a role in this series going forward? Because I was kind of watching the press conferences after the game and Dan Tony mentioned he thought that his guys had some tired legs uh, yeah. in the second half and in the fourth quarter, which, I mean, could make sense because these guys are playing every other day. There's obviously no travel, which kind of helps. Um, but a lot of times in a normal playoff schedule, you'll get two days off in between a given game, like especially when there's travel involved or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. That's not the case here. They're get playing every, every other day. And um, with the Rockets, I mean, especially in this game, like we mentioned, Earlier, they had six guys play 35 minutes or more, and then only other two two other guys played, and they only played about 10 minutes apiece. Uh, do you think? I mean, fatigue kind of comes into factor here, and obviously that benefits the Lakers because the Lakers do go deeper into their rotation. And I mean, I think that they could go a little bit deeper. They played 10 guys tonight. Uh, I I still think they could play Dwight some spot minutes in this series. Uh, he hasn't played the I think the last two games, yeah. um, but. I mean, how much of a factor do you think that could be, you know, in these next couple of games? I think it's pretty huge. I mean, most teams in the playoffs always shorten their rotation. The Lakers are playing their stars a little bit more, but really they haven't shortened their rotation, as we saw with J.R. Smith getting playoff minutes and Dion <laughs> getting some minutes the last couple of games. Um, the Lakers have been good enough that they could basically throw out a guy who's really not a good enough player to play in the playoffs and live with those few minutes and still win the game obviously that's a little bit of playing with fire but the rest of the depth has been good enough to kind of cover for that the Rockets depth isn't very good to begin with and then Mike D'Antoni always plays really really short rotations in the playoffs he wants to win basically with his starters says these are the guys that are going to get me there and a lot of times that works but as we've kind of seen in the playoffs year after year with the Rockets 
their stars get tired. James Harden has, you know, basically been poor in Game Sevens his entire playoff career with the Rockets. He, uh, the further he goes into the playoffs, he has poor performances, um, and you kind of see it sometimes manifest itself when he gets doubled. Um, he doesn't really make an effort to go get the ball again after he passes the ball out the first time. And the Lakers can easily take him out of games. And the more the series goes on, after they've had a really tough seven-game series against the Thunder, mm. these are just adding up, and, and the minutes are adding up. And I think the Lakers, you know, hopefully they can they can end the series pretty quickly. But even if it goes pretty long, I feel fairly confident that some of that, you know, the freshness and, and the fresh legs are, are going to catch up to the Rockets. Yeah. And I mean, hopefully they can just win the next two. So my prediction <laughs> proves to be, be right again. I, I don't like losing game one of every series, but if it's followed yeah. by winning four straight, that that would be, I mean, I'll, I'll take it, but yeah, I mean, the fact that they're coming off of that long kind of grueling seven game series, even though they won a couple of those games running away, uh, that man, that seventh game was just a dogfight, an absolute yeah. dogfight, just a slugfest. And I think that, you know, I thought the Lakers would come out and have a better performance in game one because I thought the Rockets would be a little drained from that game. Um, but I think we saw a little bit of rust from the Lakers. And I think a couple guys said it, too. Like they, they needed a game to really feel these guys out um, because the one game that they had against them in the bubble, LeBron didn't play. So obviously it's, you know, it's just kind of different. Mm-hmm. Um they got their feel out game. They kind of shook off some of the rust in that game. Rondo, especially, I mean, really shook off all the rust in that game, uh, left it all in game one and has played great basketball ever since. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm wondering if like that first game was just like, okay, the Lakers had to shake off some rust and the Rockets are still kind of running off that high of winning game seven. But as the series is drawing on a little bit more, uh, you're starting to see the Lakers, have the benefit of that rest where they, they won in five games and they got, you know, that extra time off and they, they go deeper in their rotation and the Rockets don't. And I mean, Harden too, the way Harden plays, man, I mean, he's just asked to do so much for this team in terms of creation, scoring, uh, just so much, just so much that I don't blame the guy for really running out of gas in these long series that they play. So, um, but I'm going to slander him anyways, because he's annoying to watch. So I, yeah, I think fatigue could come into play. I'm not going to count on it just because, you know, who knows with adrenaline and, you know, I, I don't know. Games get tight. You never know who shrinks and, and who who steps up. But I, I trust the Lakers, you know, getting the rest that they needed after that first series uh, to have an advantage there. And I'm hoping that those tired legs carry over into uh, game four and we, we see – that uh, three-point shooting really start to drop because I think if it drops considerably in any of these games, I think the Lakers win by double digits, and I think they probably win running away. So game four will be interesting to see where this team's uh, mentality is and their approach because we kind of wondered it, I think, with the the Blazers series. We thought, okay, the Lakers, you know, got the the two games to take the 2-1 series lead. Are they going to let their foot off the gas because it's not necessarily um, a super important game to win? And mm-hmm. that game four, they just came out and blitzed Portland from the get-go and just absolutely dominated that game from the tip. Uh, so I'm curious to see if we see that kind of mentality, that type of approach in game four, or if we see the Lakers kind of be a little lackadaisical. I'd like to see them obviously put their foot on the gas and, and really uh, put some pressure on these guys and really push them uh, to the brink of elimination. Cause I think if they can get 
Houston on the ropes um, and one loss away from elimination, I think you might see a different Rockets team. But maybe that's just me. Yeah, I mean, that that's what we're all hoping for because not only does that mean the Lakers win, but it means a lot more opportunities for Rocket slander and nothing unites the world more than that. <laughs> Except for Scott Foster calling games. <laughs> both, both, both fan bases are just like, it's like that uh, meme of Arnold Schwarzenegger and, and Carl Weathers, like doing the like handshake or whatever. It's like, yep, that's, that's what Scott Foster does. So. Congrats to Scott Foster. He's a very uniting force, but not in a great way. <laughs> All right. Any last thoughts before we sign off? Yeah, I got I got some beef with uh, chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I I had I, I made I made a promise that I would get us a Popeye's chicken sandwich sponsorship. To hell with that. I'm over it. No more. Instead, I'm utilizing my platform on this podcast to continue asking for Halsey to tweet from the Lakers Outsiders <laughs> account or to join us on this podcast. This is much more important to me than the chicken sandwich at this point. I want her to tweet from the Lakers Outsiders account while eating a Popeye's chicken sandwich. All right. I, I, I can live with that. We can we can have a compromise. We're, I mean, if Rondo's going to play this good, like we're going to shoot our shots like... I mean, his are going in, so ours have got to go in too. So We are shooting a fadeaway from the wing at the buzzer right now that's like a fadeaway full court shot at this point but <laughs> but hey i mean ever since i'm just gonna say it once she like made that second account to tweet about basketball the lakers took over after that so maybe she's the real mvp that's that's what i've been saying ever since we found out about her love for ivica zubats we've known that that this was the this was the prophecy oh man we 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 gassed david chia up earlier in this pod and then we just made him sad right at the end that's good though you got to keep it balanced you exactly. got to keep you, you got you got to keep people humble just like <laughs> you need to keep russell westbrook humble after he scowls and yells at babies on the sideline you need to keep david chia also humble and he was scowling and yelling down 10 points with a minute and a half left in this game too so <laughs> hey at least he's consistent <laughs> all right we're gonna get out of here uh lakers like i said go up 2-1 in the series game four I think it's an early start time because uh, the Bucks and Heat series concluded today. The Heat officially uh, finished off the Bucks, and Giannis Antetokounmpo is one more playoff exit away from being a Laker. So life is good. And yeah, I think it's uh, four o'clock Pacific time. I think on Thursday is the uh, the tip, which I thought was kind of a little early, but uh, it should be the only game that night. So. Uh, Prepare yourselves accordingly. It's a big game, and hopefully the Lakers can uh, deliver another an another haymaker and put the Rockets uh, on the ropes there and go up 3-1 in the series. So, yeah, this was fun, man. This was a fun game. If Rondo keeps playing like this, I might have to make some kind of Rondo-centric bet. So, everybody oh, keep an eye out. I mean, I made that bet uh, on the last pod that we recorded, the series preview, that if the Lakers – take at least 10 three-point attempts, and they make every single one of them in the game, they shoot 100% that I would buy everybody that commented uh, on YouTube a Popeye's chicken sandwich. There was a few comments on our account and on the UCAS Studios account just <laughs> saying, basically, just here to claim my sandwich. So <laughs> you guys have a lot more faith in the Lakers three-point shooting than I do, but I respect it. So, And if Rondo is going to keep shooting like this, I mean, anything is possible. So, <laughs> I... I I gotta. I'll. I'll add this since 
I, I've already made this promise, so we have to do it eventually. I finally got some very, very hot sauce that I'm probably going to eat and <laughs> die over on this podcast eventually because we got people raising some money for uh, people city council out here in L.A. So, I mean, if you want to make a bet regarding hot sauce, I can ship it over to you after I, I'm done with it. I was thinking more like if the Lakers win the championship this year, I will buy a Lakers Rajon Rondo jersey. Ooh. All right. I'm in. I'm in. I might okay. I might even I might even join you. All right. That's that's the bet. If if the Lakers get it done and, and bring home number seventeen Rondo jerseys. That's what we're gonna do. All right. And then we'll have to get together. We'll have to meet up and, and get a picture of it and maybe I'll just make it my Twitter avatar for a while. Who knows? Or David Chia can just take a picture of me and you and, and make it his Twitter avatar in our Rondo jersey. So David really loves the the Wolverine meme. It's going to be him, but we're going to be in the picture frame. <laughs> <laughs> we're getting there. We're getting there. Uh, what is it? We are six wins in, so 10 more to go. So uh, 10 wins away from Hani and I getting Rondo jersey. So uh, I guarantee David listens to this and he probably is going to get super excited. So... <laughs> <laughs> all right guys like i said uh, at the start of the podcast uh if you like the podcast be sure to subscribe to us uh lakers outsiders and uk studios on youtube and wherever you get your podcasts follow us on twitter and instagram at lakers outsiders like us on facebook and get all of our content on lakersoutsiders.com and of course you can follow honey on twitter at h-o-n-i-a-h-m you can follow me at gary kester and uh yeah i'm gonna go watch some rondo highlights in 2020 <laughs> Never thought that that would happen, but that's what I'm going to do. That's how I'm going to spend the rest of my evening. And I uh, hope you guys all have a great day. So with Hani Hamadi and this is Gary Kester of the Lakers Outsiders signing off. Shout out to Trevor Ariza.